You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 29 with Allison Graber. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, this is such a beautiful episode on becoming a mother with Allison. She is a writer, and you can tell from how she speaks on today's episode that she has such beautiful words to say and such an eloquent way of saying it. She is so raw and shares her journey to becoming a mother and all the challenges and heartbreak that came with it. She shares with us what it feels like to transition into mommyhood from being a career woman and wife. She also dives into her health issues of having adrenal fatigue and what that looks like. I hope this episode leaves you knowing that whatever your journey may be, you are not alone. Let's go to the show. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker and I love to travel. And so I love asking people where their favorite destinations are. So what is your favorite vacation spot that you've gone to and why? And this can be with or without kids. Oh, man. Well, when I think back over all my 33 years, so (laughs) traveled. I think the one that stands out to me is a trip I took when my daughter was six months old. My, my sister lives in Berlin, Germany, and I decided crazy mama that I am that I would take my six month old and travel there by myself. Uh, part of me looks back and I think, what was I thinking? But then on the (laughs) other hand, we had such good memories and such good experiences there. Uh, got to see the city in Berlin. But then we took a train ride to Prague uh, during Christmas time, and it was magical. And I think that at some point, I would like to go back with just my husband and I to visit Prague at Christmas. So I, that's my recommendation for anyone, uh, Prague in the wintertime. Yeah. So I've heard, too, that um, Germany has like a really pretty um, area for Christmas time, too. Is that the, do, did you see that? Or is that? Yes. Okay. So what is what, how, how would you describe that compared to um, Prague at um, Christmas time? Is it similar well, or different? Well, we were in Berlin is in the northern part of Germany. So it's not the mountainous region. Mm. But what they have in Berlin is they have a lot of Christmas markets. So oh. when you go, you can, uh, there's a lot of Christmas lights and just you really feel the holiday spirit when you're there and you oh, walk the streets. You don't, you take public transportation, you don't drive in cars. So you're really surrounded by people who are celebrating the season. Oh, that's cool. Loved and then, it. And then what's the Prague um, Christmas um, scenery like? Well, downtown Prague, uh, the old part of the town, there's a huge Christmas tree. It's massive and there's music and there's a Christmas market there. And just the buildings are beautiful. And when you go there in the evening underneath the starlight and there's all kinds of smells and sounds and just beauty that surrounds you. It's, it is, it's just magical. Oh, that sounds really cool. It, it makes me kind of think of Narnia a little bit. Yes. You know, yeah. that kind of magical feeling, but with Christmas and, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's really brave of you to travel with a six month old, especially by yourself to another country. I mean, were you scared at all? Like and nervous, like thinking, how is she going to do on a flight and you're traveling overseas? To be honest, I was a little nervous, but on the other hand, at that point, she was not yet eating solid foods. So I knew that I just had to pull my boob out whenever she was hungry. <laughs> so I didn't have to pack a right. lot of extra things. That's true. Yeah. So I was set. Oh, I yeah. felt 
I was like, yeah, this is the great thing about motherhood. Like my food is in my body. I, I'm good with this. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's really cool. Now having two kids and thinking about that, would you be like, no way I would never do that? Uh, yes, I, <laughs> I thought about visiting my sister this year. Yeah. And with the thought of doing it with two kids, yeah. I just, I realized it's not quite the same as just having one. Right. I'm, I would be outnumbered yes. on that trip. Yeah. And you would have to pack all the stuff for the toddler, oh, you know? Oh my yeah. word. Yeah. That just feels mm-hmm. like you're packing. I always feel like you're just packing your whole house when you're traveling with young kids. So, well, yes, you, you become a mule horse. Yeah. You, you just <laughs> have everything on your back and yeah. Yeah. I probably look, would look like a crazy person walking through air, the airport security with all my yeah. bags going through the, the x-ray machine. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and for the, and for people who don't know you, you're always carrying your baby. So, I mean, that alone, <laughs> you're already a pack mule. <laughs> She's always in the front of you. So yeah, my funny. core muscles would be extremely strong after yes, that trip. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. Well, let's get into the show. Um, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Well, um, my name is Allison Graber, and I am the wife of a man who is extremely quiet, who doesn't have much facial expression, <laughs> but he is extremely sincere, extremely humble and gentle and kind. We've been married 14 years this year. Um, I'm a mom to two girls. Uh, Ellis is three and a half years old. I call her my three-nager at times <laughs> because of her up and down emotions. Uh, but she is extroverted and fun and goofy and so smart and bright. We just love her. And Adeline is seven months old. She's more of the sensitive one. She takes on the emotions of the people in the room and she's just very calm and happy for the most part. I'll say that for the most part, not when it comes to sleep, but other times of the day. So motherhood has been something that has surprised me over the years and something that has changed my world, changed my life. And so my, my oldest daughter is three and a half years old. And I had her in Indiana where we lived and where I grew up. But then a couple of years ago, we decided to move to Nashville uh, to pursue, for my husband to pursue his work in the music industry. So that's what brought us here. My journey from when I was young till now, I'm just so thankful for the Lord in my life from a very young age. And I would say if somebody asked me to describe my journey, that's really the foundation of whatever I do, who I am, how I interact with people. It's based on my relationship with Jesus and how he interacts and loves me on a daily basis. I love that. I do. And I can see that in you. So um, thanks for sharing that. And so, you know, I wanted to let everyone know the main reason I thought it would be so great to have you on the show is, you know, we've talked about there not being a village, you know, in today's age. And so there's no sitting around and talking to other moms and older generations about experiences that have have happened. And so you can feel like there's no one really to talk to you about stuff and people are just so busy and, you know, they have their own stuff going on and maybe they don't relate. So you kind of just have to deal with whatever's going on that you may be feeling. So the reason I thought it would be so great to have you on is because you and I have chatted before about pregnancies, miscarriages, um, ectopic uh, pregnancies, C-sections, adrenals, you know, in relation to getting pregnant, being pregnant after having the baby, 
and, and, you know, not having sleep and how that just affects your endocrine system and overall that how it affects your health. And so, um, I just wanted to be able to talk openly about all this stuff and how we thought it would be great to just, you know, share our story, especially yours Mm -hmm. so that women don't feel isolated and, you know, that they don't feel alone on this journey. So Mm -hmm. this leads me into your story. And, um, how about you walk us through your journey of getting pregnant? Well, let me step back a little bit uh, before getting pregnant, because I think that when we look at any one of our lives, uh, our experiences are built off of our previous experiences. And I think that my pregnancy experiences and my experiences in loss uh, and ectopic and health issues, I can really trace some of my, my problems internally back to when I got married, actually, it didn't have anything to do with my husband. It just happened to coincide with that time frame. Uh, we got married in 2003. And around that time, a couple of years into our marriage, um, my husband, he lost his sister. So my sister-in-law passed away unexpectedly. She was young, had two little, two little kids. And at that time, it kind of, um, it hit me that, wait, life is not all, um, all rainbows and there's not just always wonderful things in life. Uh, I saw that she had a three-year-old and a one-year-old that she left behind and that the family, we were all just kind of grasping and grappling with what to do and how to support her husband and take care of the kids. Two years after that, My husband's brother passed away unexpectedly as well, leaving four daughters. Oh my goodness. So the first few years of our marriage, it was loss. And then a few years later, when we thought that we were just coming out of it, it was loss again. Right that same year, we moved away from family and uh, moved to Florida for a couple of years. And during that time, my, we, I got, I got pregnant unexpectedly and we weren't, we didn't, we weren't using protection. Um, we weren't trying. We just, we were like, whatever happens. But I got, I got pregnant. Well, I can probably go into more detail in this later, but the pregnancy ended up being an ectopic pregnancy. And during that time, um, during that time, I, um, I was rushed to the hospital and the doctor said after my emergency surgery that it was a miracle that I was alive. Um, nine months after that, my father passed away. Mm. And we were far away from family. Experience loss again. Just hit over and over again with one thing after another. We were far away, like I said, from family, but we were also in a financially difficult state. Uh, after that time, we decided to move back to Indiana to be close to family. And we had my daughter then after a couple of years. And then after that, <laughs> we moved to Nashville. And a month or two after we moved to Nashville, I had, I got pregnant again. And during this time, we had bought a fixer upper house where we had no flooring. Some of the walls were not <laughs> on. Uh, it had been a foreclosure and we were going to work, work on it ourselves. And so I got pregnant and that was kind of unexpected. We knew that we were going to try, but it just happened. Well, it was another ectopic pregnancy. 
And I went to the emergency room, had surgery again. And the doctors once again said, um, congratulations on being alive. So I came home, recovered in a home that was unfi- unfinished. We, and we were that, that way for a couple months. Later on that year, I got pregnant again and it ended in miscarriage. And then two months later, I got pregnant and that's how we have Adeline now. So I wanted to go into that history a little bit because our experiences in our past really feed into what we experience now. Mm -hmm. And I know I, a lot of the moms out there that are listening to this, um, motherhood can bring a lot of big feelings (laughs) along with it. And with that, oh my goodness, uh, our hormones going up and down, the lack of sleep, our dealing with kids who have emotions that are all over the place or listening or not listening, man, motherhood can be difficult, but then you add on to that, your history. And there are some times we just feel like, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to make it through this next day? So, um, where would you like me to start with that? Yeah. (laughs) As I shared that, that, that history, I tried to be as concise as possible. I love it. But which point yeah. would you like me to <laughs> well to you start know what? At? let me ask you um do you know why that you are um more likely to have ectopic pre- pregnancies mm. or is it just very random well ectopics are very rare and so my first ectopic it was just a rare event they weren't sure if maybe my fallopian tubes were uh misshapen or not well, let me give you just a quick rundown on what ectopic pregnancy is. Sure. Yeah. It's I'm sure when, people are wondering. Yeah. When the embryo attaches to the wrong um, location and it's in a place where it can't thrive. So mine uh, attached in my fallopian tube and got stuck in there. Mm. And so the the baby has no place to grow. And for me, what happened the first time is that my fallopian tube actually exploded. <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, I was bleeding internally for two hours prior to us getting into surgery. Wow. But for me, I, I had never been pregnant before. Right. That first ectopic. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that I should have gleaned more, wi- gleaned more from people that I knew that had been pregnant. So I knew what to expect. But when I started to feel pain in my abdomen, I was like, oh, this must just be morning sickness. Right. So I just sat in front of the toilet for a little while and, uh, but then it just got worse and worse and worse. And yes, that was not morning sickness. That, that was internal bleeding for a little while. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah. How how far along were you? I was 10 weeks and normally ectopics only last four to six weeks. Yeah. That seems really far along. Yes. It was a rare case of a rare case. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, that's ectopic. Um, and then how did but, your second one work? How did, how did that happen? So after my first ectopic, when they did surgery, they removed one of my fallopian tubes. Hmm. And so they didn't think that my chance of ectopic would be high right. again yep. because the affected it. tube was removed. Yeah. Right. Yep. But what happened is with the suture part where they had removed the tube, my second ectopic happened just to attach in this little oh, area that was on that side. Oh, my goodness. So it wasn't the other side. It, it, it went back to the other where the 
where it had been stitched up, right? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So, um, it was, they said it was a freak event. The doctor said he had never seen that happen before. And you know, um, (laughs) in a weird way. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's great. Two times a charm. Right. Uh, but in a weird way, I am so thankful that if I had to have a second ectopic, that it was in that spot, because if it was in my other two, oh, yeah. you I wouldn't have it. been able to get pregnant right. for Adeline or yeah. get pregnant again. Yeah. And so th- this may lead me into, um, after experience, all that loss, um, and with motherhood, we have other losses that we experience too. Right. I mean, I think about my transition from being just a wife, I, not just a wife, not just a wife, I know but from being a wife and a career woman to being a mother, I had a loss of an identity that I had had for so many years. Mm. So you had that. Um, I had loss of pregnancies. Um, a lot of women deal with infertility or uh, miscarriage or infant loss, or ha- you may have a few children and you want more, but you can't. And so you still have that longing. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to that, um, I, I've learned that through that all, that if, if all the things that I've desired and wanted were removed, that I am still loved by God. And I, there are still things to be thankful for, even mm. if it is just simply, Lord, thank you that I'm breathing. Mm. And having that perspective that, uh, that Lord, I've lost this identity. Uh, this is who I thought that I was, or Lord, I, I have this, I've lost this person in my life that I've loved so much, or Lord, I've lost my time. I've lost my energy. I've lost all, uh, this relational time that I had with my husband. I've lost time having sex with my husband as often mm-hmm. as I used to. I've lost all these things. And what is left? Lord, thank you that I'm breathing. Um, so with the ectopics, uh, my ectopics were very difficult because of the, the time afterwards. And some people didn't quite know how to, how to help. And Mm. some people did an amazing job of supporting us through it all. Uh, one thing that I really appreciated from other moms was, even just text messages saying that I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. What do you need? And there were times that I didn't even know what I needed. And some people would just show up with either money or um, meals, or they would help out with things around the house. They just showed up and saw a need and did it. Those were things that I was especially thankful for. Uh, But one one part of my story that I've shared with people around me that are close to me face to face, but I haven't shared much on social media or in the public eye is my experience with having adrenal fatigue and insufficiency mm-hmm. after my birth, um, after Ellis's birth, my three and a half year old. It's one thing that was so unexpected. And I know you and I have talked about this a lot. Yeah. Um, when Ellis was born, I had been a career woman, just very, I was very go-getter. Um, if something needs to be done, let's do it until it's done. Let's do it to the best of our ability. I would work, 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 work. And 
when I went into labor, it was a long labor. I pushed for eight hours. And looking back on that, it was insane. But I pushed for eight hours. And I have a healthy baby, which is wonderful. But that wasn't, that's not the whole story sometimes. It's, it's, I'm so thankful to have a healthy baby. But what it did to me was throw my body into just a spiral downhill for years, for a couple of years afterwards, where all that effort and all that labor. And now I know from, from researching and learning from doctors from all those years of pushing, pushing, pushing in my personal life, my body just said, it's done. Like it it doesn't want, it doesn't have much left. And when I got home from the hospital, I could only sleep. It was like my body just shut down. I couldn't hardly even eat. Uh, My digestive system wasn't working well. And to walk from my house to my car was even a, a major feat for me. So that, that year, especially before I had all the answers that I needed, I didn't know what, I just thought that, oh, I have a new baby. This is normal. This must be normal. People talk about being fatigued. This must be what, what people talk about. But it was an extreme case and, um, I pretty much stayed home that whole year. And it was one of those things that I didn't know how to express to people. I was just so used to taking things and putting it on myself that I didn't ask for much help. But when I did reach out and say how I was feeling, people didn't really um, understand. And so it was a moment, it was a time where I, where everything was stripped away, every single joy in my life. I, I've loved traveling, trying new things, meeting new people, experiencing new cultures, um, dancing, music, arts. Like I was just, I wanted to do everything and experience everything. But in that season of my life, everything was removed. And even daily activities, it was, it was down to the point where just some days it was just good to breathe. And there were some moments, I remember one day in particular, where it hurt to lay down and it hurt to stand up and it hurt to sit. It hurt to do anything. And I just sat there weeping and I couldn't even think of words to talk to the Lord. And I just said, God, help me, help me, help me. That's all I could say. And I just wept, but I figured out, I found a doctor um, who knew what was going on and I had extreme adrenal fatigue and your adrenals handle, help you handle stress in your life. So, you know, they talk about the fight or flight that you have inside of you. For me, I had been fighting so many years, loss, all the losses, one right after another, financial difficulty, uh, physical difficulty, uh, being on our own a few times, all those things built to that point. And the labor was the culmination of what, uh, what brought me to that point. But once I had answers, I was able to start uh, putting words to what was going on. And I think also with the physical difficulty and the difficult labor, um, the putting words to it, it made me realize that that had caused some depression in my life as well. Mm, yeah. And I, I, I hear from a lot of women 
there are more women, women than what you think with postpartum depression that have faced it, uh, that do it in silence, uh, because they, we have this, this idea in our heads that we, we should be doing better or we compare ourselves to other women. And because of that, I think social media can feed into that. Mm-hmm. Because we have this comparison, like we should be doing well, we should be doing these things. And then we get so hard on ourselves that it can lead to depression even more. I mean, and then you add everything else in life that, that we deal with in, in this day and age. It's just, it's too much for one person to handle. Right. And that's why, I, I know you mentioned the word village earlier. That's why having a village is so important. that we know that we are not alone in what we're facing. Um, That first year where I pretty much stayed home the whole year, I really could have done with more, um, more interaction with other women. And I think it would have helped me a lot. Yeah. Well, and you might've found the answer, um, you know, if you would have ran across somebody like me and now granted we didn't live in the same city at that time, but, you know, if you were talking, I probably would have been able to pick up on, oh, mm-hmm. this sounds like you have adrenal issues knowing I have adrenal issues. Um, and um, I think it, I think it is when you, but I understand the same time, you know, uh, why you want to stay in because everything feels like effort. And there's been many times when I see people with high, high energy and they've also had um, natural uh, delivery. And so they're not having to recover from the C-section and all the drugs that are pumped into you and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, it's, it's very easy to be in, to be envious of that, to just be like, Oh my gosh, like they're shopping at target already. And you know, they Mm -hmm. just had the baby four days ago. It's like, I can't even drive for three weeks. I mean, so you really feel like, Oh my gosh, like I can't even do these things. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and I know this ties into, uh, us talking about, you know, the different deliveries and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think a lot of people don't realize this with C-sections um, that I feel like C-sections have become so normalized and mm-hmm. yes, they are normalized. And I think people are kind of like, yeah, you do it and you're fine. Just kind of like giving birth. People just expect like, yeah, everybody does it and mm-hmm. you should be fine. But the thing is, it's like, there's a lot of things that can happen even giving, um, do having a vaginal birth that can go wrong. People lose a ton of blood. People tear really bad. Mm-hmm. And so you, you could think, well, I did it that way. I didn't do a C-section. So therefore I should be okay. But maybe somebody else didn't tear as bad or something and are not having to recover. And so I feel like as women, we really need to show each other more grace and not just be like, yeah, just buck up. That's what we got to do. Even though that is what we have to do as moms, I feel like we have to come around each other and say, it's okay. You can tell us how bad it was. You're not complaining. You're just sharing and we understand. And so not Mm -hmm. to just be like, well, everybody else has a C-section. So I I might as well not say that this was hard. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. My first labor was vaginal, but it was eight hours of pushing and it was absolutely awful. I, I'm not going to say any other word. It was just awful. Right. My second labor was C-section. Yeah. And with the C-section, um, my it's interesting because my C-section recovery was better than my vaginal recovery, which is totally opposite of what every thing that you read, they're like, go for vaginal, vaginal, right. vaginal. Yeah. I'm using that word over and over again. Sorry. 
I did too. So what you're just saying over and over. <laughs> I'm just real. I just got to put it out there. No, but C-section, I, I recovered a lot better, but it was still difficult. Um, but with my C-section delivery with Adeline, I had pushed for three hours with her prior to doing C-section. And so I got a little bit of the experience of, I have, I have experience of a lot of worlds when it comes oh, yeah. to labor and delivery. Yeah. With, with Adeline, I, the last month before I gave birth, I had such fear surrounding my labor Mm -hmm. that I went to counseling Mm. because I, I was so worried. I mean, it was, it was overwhelming how I felt. I was so worried and fearful that I would go into an adrenal failure, not failure, but almost failure. Right. I know what you mean. Mm Mm-hmm that my labor would be like it was before that, that there's all these other things. I think also all my experiences with loss in the past, I was like, my baby's going to die. Like I had this thought that, that the worst was going to happen. And so part of my scenario of it being the worst was I did not want to have a C-section with my second baby. Right. For some, like that was in my head. I don't want to have a C-section. I don't want to have another abdominal surgery after having two ectopics. And the thing is, I ended up with a C-section and it was better than my vaginal (laughs) delivery. Right. So God was gracious to me in that, but I still had to deal with it afterwards. I'm like, I, I would see other moms that would have such, I would, I would think such easy deliveries. and. I had to, I don't know, I had to wrestle with that, that that's not my story. This is my story. This is what I experienced. And what am I going to do with this? How am I going to move forward with, with my loss of what I thought this should look like? Right. Well, and I don't think that people talk about that with C-sections and I'm not Mm going to say that everyone feels like this, but I do feel like a lot of women do that. There's a a grieving process to Mm -hmm. having a C-section, meaning that you didn't get to have it the way that you thought you were going to have it and what you feel like God intended for you to have it. So as a woman, you, it's kind of like, it goes along with infertility, you know, where you're struggling Mm -hmm. with like, this is what God meant me to be a mom. And, you know, I meant to have kids. And so if you're not having kids and you're struggling with having to get pregnant, you feel like you're losing, you know? And so I feel like Mm -hmm. C-sections feel a little similar in the sense of I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to deliver this way and I didn't, and I had to have surgery and, um, and you don't get to experience the baby coming straight up onto your chest and, Mm -hmm. um, having all those experiences. And with me having to have two C-sections, I never got to experience that. And, the drugs alone for them to put you into to do a C-section made me so nauseous that mm-hmm. it was really hard for me to be present and enjoy the baby. I could do it for a little bit, um, but then it's it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, like I'm so mm-hmm. sick from all the drugs and, you know, and then they're having to sew you back up and all this stuff. So and then they have to hand them over to the dad where if you're having a vaginal birth and everything is OK with the baby and you you get to have mm-hmm. that baby on you and stuff like that. So there is a lot of parts that you have to mourn to say, yes. I didn't get to experience this, even though you have a healthy baby. And I think because <clears throat> there's so much going on and you're so overwhelmed, 
you're not mm-hmm. thinking about it right then and there. Of course, once you realize you have to have a C-section, if that wasn't planned, you, you're grieving that right at that moment because you have to be you have to let that go and go, oh, my gosh, we are doing this. And so right there you have to experience it. But then later on, I feel like it comes back and you may not even notice or not, you may yes. not even know that you're sad about it. And I feel yes. like it's okay to be sad about it and that if you are feeling something about it, that's probably what you're feeling. And mm-hmm. so um, do you have any thoughts about that? So even though your C-section was great compared to your first delivery, uh, what mm-hmm. did you feel emotionally? Mm. Yeah, I, as you were talking, the thought came to my mind about how grieving when, when those emotions come up after labor, when things didn't go the way that you wanted, um, that those emotions really are a gift that those, when sadness comes up and you realize that it wasn't what you expected and that grieving process, it's your body's way of telling you, Hey, we need to look at this and, and let's sit on this for a little bit. And it's okay to not be able to move forward until you process a little bit. And I think that we as women with, with grieving and with, with emotion, we we're like, we don't want to be too emotional. We just got to do what we've got to do. But to feel deeply is such a gift. We, we can't downplay that. It's, it's a gift to society. It's a gift to the people around us too. That is a whole nother topic anyways. But, um, for me, when I look back at my C-section delivery with, with Adeline, I missed out on that first hour, two hours with her. And I remember seeing her for the first time and just weeping because I, I missed out on those moments. Um, that oxytocin rush that people talk about. I did not have that because of the medication, Mm -hmm. the, the bonding with the nursing immediately I did not have. Uh, so since I, when I've come out of the first couple months of being a mom, you know, that newborn stage where you're just kind of a zombie at times, I I've started to process that. And there's been moments where I've been angry that I've had to deal with some anger with that. There's moments where I'm just sad, but then there's other moments where I'm thankful that she was healthy and I'm thankful that my results weren't as um, debilitating for me as it was at the first. So it's with my first birth with my daughter. So it's this weird combination of emotions, but I think the beauty that God put this in us, that when those emotions come up, that they're there for a reason and they're to help you process. And he put us in community with other people for a reason. So when you process, find those people around you that you can trust with how you're processing, speak it out loud. And sometimes speaking it out loud can help you find not closure, but can help you move to the next step. And I know with you, Amber, I've, we've talked about this on, on my couch in my living room Mm -hmm. that we've cried about this. And, um, I think that it's healing to bring people in with you in your pain. Yeah, I agree. And also just to have somebody that you can relate to because, um, if, if people don't have, say, adrenal issues and they're not doing C-sections and all this stuff, it's really hard to understand um, what 
you're going through, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and you kind of feel in some ways cheated, right? You're kind of like, mm-hmm. like, wouldn't everybody want to have all this energy, do natural birth, no medicine, no nothing, bounce up, nurse easily? There are people that are like that. There really are. I mean, and so um, you, I think, I think that's the thing when you go into this journey of motherhood, mm-hmm. you think that's what is the norm when really mm-hmm. that isn't the norm. And mm-hmm. so, um, I think, I think too, as moms, we try not to complain a lot and we don't want to come off like you're complaining, but I do think there's some level that you probably need to be open with, mm-hmm. without complaining, but just being transparent and saying, yeah, this is what happened because sometimes you don't even know what's gone on with people's labor and delivery. Like if you've met them after the fact, you you could have e- easily thought they got pregnant easily. You could have thought um, they had no issues. And then you hear their story and you're like, oh my gosh, you, you could have died during labor. I mean, you just don't even know, right? Because people don't, right. are not just walking around saying that. And so um, I would say that most times it is not the norm to just bounce right back, have an easy delivery, you know, boom, boom, boom. I do think there, mm-hmm. there's usually something that's happening. It may not look exactly the same, but mm-hmm. I do think there was some struggles or something has happened afterwards that women have, you know, they have umbilical hernia that they have to have repaired. Um, their uterus floor like is dropping after, you know, mm-hmm. having kids vaginally, especially if you have three kids or more, all these things that I feel like if you are experiencing this, I feel like go and talk to people because I mm-hmm. bet you, you're going to find somebody, at least one person that's going to have a similar situation that you can relate to and not feel alone. And so, um, Mm -hmm. you know, as we, as we start to near the end of the interview, I do want to talk to you about finding joy where you are. I know you touched Mm -hmm. base on that a little bit, but do you want to expand on that? Yeah. I I think that um, God never promised that we would never face difficulty in our lives. And I think that Sometimes we, we go through life thinking that everything has to be peachy keen. Everything has to be good. Uh, but so that when something difficult comes our way, we get so dejected that we lose hope. But I think that I felt that way and I lived that way for a long time. But with each loss and with especially this stage of life with my difficulties with getting pregnant, or keeping a pregnancy and difficulties with labor, I've realized that you can find joy in the little things. You can find joy in the day-to-day. Like I said earlier, when you're not sure what to be thankful for or find joy in, you can say, Lord, thank you that I'm breathing. Even if it's on days that that's all you have left, there is something to be thankful for and finding joy in. Um, And along with that, I think that in our society, I think that we, we have to really be purposeful about rest and in that rest, in that silence and in those moments, that's where we can find joy. I I think we try to fill it up with so much going on and so many, so many things like, um, even experiences or our kids or our families or objects or massages or all those things for me. I am longing for a massage right now, but, um, <laughs> go get one, but girl. we try to, yeah, <laughs> that maybe in the next week or so yeah. we try to fill it up with that. But when we can take the little moments in the day and when I look outside and I see the sunlight bouncing off the clouds or I, my daughter laughing and dancing in the living room or, uh, something that made me laugh 
on a podcast or online, uh, those little moments of joy. Um, I think that's how we continue, how we move on and move forward when we're facing difficulty and loss or unexpected things in our lives. I, I just think it's so important to cling to those things. Yeah. Um, there's a scripture, if I could just read sure. it really quick. Um, in Matthew 11, I was reading this morning, and this just laid hev- heavily on my heart. Uh, Jesus was speaking. He said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I'll add that no matter what you're facing, I believe this is what Jesus uh, wants to speak to us today. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a great message. And, you know, Allison, as we are almost at the end of the show, I wanted to ask you, um, I, I, I feel like, you know, the listeners are thinking, okay, what is, so what did she do between the first uh, delivery and the second delivery, even though you had to have a C-section? I would, I, mm-hmm. I would guess too, that pushing for three hours versus eight hours helped eliminate some of that stress on your adrenals. Mm-hmm. However, the C-section tanks your adrenals because you're having a surgery. So your adrenals are having to recover from, you know, your body being cut open and it's wound and it has to heal. But, Mm -hmm. um, I want to encourage, because I know that you haven't fully decided, you know, if you're done or not. And, and I want to give women hope that even Mm -hmm. through all of this, that you still may try for a third. Cause you know, people Mm -hmm. listening to your story, they may be like, Oh, she's for sure done. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, like after this, I don't know, but, and knowing who you are and talking to you, that isn't the case. So I want to give women some encouragement. Um, and also Mm -hmm. let's touch base a little bit on the adrenals and Mm -hmm. what did you do and what can you give them to kind of like focus on if they're feeling Mm -hmm. similar and they want to have more kids, or even if they don't want to have more kids, they just know that they feel this way want to fix themselves or they want to, to feel better in order mm-hmm. to do another, um, delivery. Well, what happened after my, my daughter's, my, my oldest, her birth, um, the doctor that I found, he, he walked me through a process of, I, I found out that my body doesn't respond well to some foods. And so I eliminated foods. These are, I'm, I'll just give you some practical ways here. Um, I eliminated some foods and my body didn't respond well. I learned the importance of rest that I think is lost on a lot of people. And rest doesn't just mean sleeping. It's a frame of mind in whatever you face, not taking too many things on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And so I, I built in quiet time during the day, but I also slowed down my pace I, well, my, my body made me do it, but then I accepted that and moved along with my body and I stopped fighting my body and its need to rest. I, I moved with it. And those were the two main things for me. Um, he also gave me some herbal supplements through that time that helped to support my adrenals, but you would need to talk to a doctor right, about, right. Yeah. about that, those things. Yeah. Um, and what kind of doctor but, did you go see? Because um, I, you know, I see a functional doctor, but you saw someone that did take your insurance. So are they called something different? 
I went to an integrative doctor. Mm. This was in Indiana. Sure. But Um, if people were going to look up something, that's what he was called? Yeah. My first... Okay. So I was diagnosed uh, through an integrative doctor, but she was not comfortable. She did not have much experience with with treating adrenal insufficiency while breastfeeding, while the mom was breastfeeding. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I found... um, a functional medicine doctor who had experience with that for years Yes, mm-hmm. uh, of doing that. So he took the diagnosis and what the other doctor had done and helped me walk through a treatment with that. So I would say those are the physical things that I did mm-hmm. and it takes time. It's time. not going to be overnight. Oh, yeah. A long time. Mm-hmm. And one thing, can I add yeah. to mothers out there, all moms, yeah. there is this idea that exercise will fix all that you just need to push harder and work harder and work harder. For me, my doctor said, do not, I, this is just for me. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> they said, do not exercise strenuously. Exactly. They said, yeah. it is not healthy for you. Your body will see that as a stressful act and will respond opposite. And so because of that advice, I did very light exercise and my body responded in ways that it hadn't for a decade. Yeah, you lost exercise. weight, right? You lost weight versus when you were working out really hard and with you also cutting out certain foods. Yes. Well, yeah. when I would work out, I did P9, I would do like P90X oh, yeah. and I do it like, like five, to, like five, six days a week. Yeah. I go intense and I would gain weight. Yeah. No joke. I know. I would gain weight. It's so bad for your adrenals when they're, when they're weak. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it, it wasn't a muscle thing. People say, oh, it was just gaining muscle. I'm like, no, this was different. Um, but when I did the light exercising, uh, well, let me let me add, I gained 75 pounds during my pregnancy, my first pregnancy. But through resting and going through treatment, I lost 90 pounds yeah, from amazing. not exercising strenuously yep. because I listened to my body. Yep. So if I could say anything to women, it's listen to your body with that. Um, so those are the physical things. But one thing, just to finish this out, is that it is so important to find somebody that you trust to talk to about these things, whether that's somebody close or if you feel like you need a counselor, find someone that that you trust uh, because you were never meant to do this alone. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. And I just wanted to tie back to the exercising because some people may be like, well, how am I listening to my body? With me having adrenal issues too, um, the easiest way to figure out if that exercise is good for you or not at that time. It's not to say that you can't do it for the rest of your life, but for this mm-hmm. time of your life, the season mm-hmm. is if you are doing a workout and you are completely exhausted afterwards, not, not just like, Oh man, that was a hard workout and your muscles are sore. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, if it makes you want to go lay on the couch versus giving mm-hmm. you energy, then you are pushing yourself too hard. So you'll need to yes. either drop it down, not go as fast, or just do a completely different exercise. And um, I know this isn't going to be for everyone, but can you just share with us what you found that you had to remove from your diet to help you feel better? Uh, um, it was pretty extreme for the first few months. There were 20, I can't even remember the number, 27 different kinds of foods just for a m- month or two. Right. And then it went down, I retested and it continued to go down. But the main sources for me, it was gluten. Uh, For a while, it was dairy and soy for a little while. But for me, I think this will be the rest of my life. I've I've always noticed that eggs don't sit well with me as well. So 
from right now, from this point forward, I'm doing gluten-free and I'm doing egg-free and I'm limiting my soy. Um, I can add dairy back in, but I don't eat a whole lot of dairy. Yeah. And I found that that is, that has worked well for my body. Now, how do you feel when you eat eggs? Oh, my stomach gets really upset. It's, like, it's an almost like, immediate reaction. Like you, uh, like bloated and you have to go to the bathroom type feeling or no, it's like, heavy? no, it's like an actual upset stomach. Like oh. you feel like you're sick. Oh, okay. So it's very obvious. Yeah. For me, it's obvious. Okay. Now when it comes to gluten, Does it just it's, I tired. I, I get tired of my yeah. head. I get a headache and yeah. I don't generally get headaches, right. but gluten gives me a massive headache. And then did you kind of just feel foggy? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep, like okay. I want to take a nap. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's just good for people to, because I feel like sometimes when people haven't dealt with this kind of stuff, it's hard for them to understand, like, what would they feel like? And you, here's the deal. When you're eating all this stuff, you may think I don't have a problem. It's when you take it out and then you bring it back in that it, you feel it because so normally I don't have, um, issues with gluten unless I'm eating like really heavy stuff. Now, mm-hmm. when I've removed gluten and brought it back, I, mm-hmm. I sometimes could get a headache, like what you're saying, um, mm-hmm. and, or I feel foggy. But if I'm eating it all the time, I'm not feeling that way. But that's not to say that my body really should be on it. So I do want to encourage people that if you are trying to figure out if something is bugging you, you do have to come off it for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. before bringing it back to, to get a true gauge if mm-hmm. it really does affect you. And for me, as I've gotten older, I've had to really reduce uh, dairy. I won't say that I'm completely dairy-free. But mm-hmm. just I, the sinuses living in Nashville and, you know, it being such, you know, so many allergies and stuff like that. I really feel like if I have too much dairy, it starts to cause inflammation in my sinus cavities and then sends me into a sinus infection. So mm-hmm. for me, it, it looks different than maybe somebody else. It may upset their stomach or something like that, which I don't have that issue. But mm-hmm. well, let me just say it's so worth it that if you remove this stuff, it's so hard Mm-hmm. the day to day. Cause you have to eat. Right. Yeah, yeah. And there's certain things that you enjoy. It's so hard, but it's so worth it. And number two, just if this is just my experience, I, I recommend finding a doctor or somebody to walk with yes. you through the process yep, as like well. A functional doctor. That's what I ended up yes. using or an integrative doctor, like you mentioned. So, but, um, so as we wrap up, Allison, where can people find you on uh, social media or if you have a website? Uh, yes, I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can search for Allison Graber. I have a page. I write at alisongraber.com. And I'm also on Instagram. And I think I think my Instagram is just Allison Graber TN. I think I should know that off the top of my head. But just look for Allison Graber. Yeah. And I'll be there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know that your story will touch so many women and they will be able to relate to you on some sort of level. So I appreciate your transparency. Thanks for having me. I feel honored. And there you have it. Allison and I were talking about how it's so important to reach out to your friends or to someone to talk to. And I just want to encourage you, if you're struggling right now, reach out to your friends and share whatever problems you're going through. Or if you don't feel comfortable doing that, go to somebody at your church or go to a mentor or go to a counselor. I find that when you can talk things through in a safe place, you're really able to process things and feel so much better. So I just wanted to encourage you to do this and not go through it alone. And I just hope that this episode really inspires you and know that you're not isolated, that other people do have struggles and feel sad and feel lonely. And sometimes life is just hard. All right. Well, 
I appreciate you guys listening to the show as always. I'll see you next week.